0: Welcome,
1: welcome to another...
0: The
2: official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern?
3: The
4: Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, theories, discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is Jackie Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John and Frank. Welcome. Pottercast 213 I am Lisa and I'm here with John Noe and Frankie Franco we are Hello. from ooh, we are from the leading Harry Potter fan site the Leaky Cauldron and we are here for yet another week of Harry Potter news theories discussions and all that stuff what's happening this week John
5: oh my gosh we've got so much happening this week and we are doing it all live perhaps watching it you weren't here for this so if you want to be here for this you can come to livestreamcom podcast next time you see the announcement on Leaky uh, but for this show, we have the return of your Potter Pundits. They're yeah! actually not here live this week, sadly. We haven't figured out a way to do the pundits live. But they will be here on this show. And uh, in addition to that, we have a Bit by Bit. The return of the Bit by Bit. And uh, a really cool part of the book, too. Back when the kids get captured in the Malfoy Manor and Dobby. Something sad happens to him. I won't spoil you. Um, but yeah, then we're wrapping it up, Let's.
4: Alright, well, thank you guys, and thank you for downloading this episode of Podcast for the very first week of January of 2010. Let's go to the news.
3: Cool.
5: Wow. That's
4: okay. The news. Lots to talk about in the news this week, guys. Very first of all, I know this is very exciting. Very very quickly, they have a million views of like of the first video Holy and whatnot became became a instant identification with all Harry Potter fans. And now we have announced, drum roll please!
1: Whoa! Right now, a very Potter
5: sequel! <laughs> oh my god! That was- That was foul on the ears. Star Kid
4: sorry. Starkid Potter, the guys who brought you a very Potter musical, uh, Zephron, Rolling Around the Fort Draco, um, Pig Farts. They're coming back for a second tale of adventure. Who the heck knows what they're going to do in the second tale. Uh, But I'm very excited. And they say that it's going to be around in the summer of 2010,
5: guys. Is it going to be traveling, like with a tour? Like with tour and cast? That would be very expensive. Like community theaters them. near you. That would be interesting. Though. Gosh, can you imagine? Fun. Like
4: twenty people on tour.
5: And I bet Warner Brothers would not care a little bit. <laughs> no, not even a little. Surely not.
4: No, but well, we're very care, excited to see it. it's care. going to be around this summer. Um, yeah, it, yeah, we we hope that maybe by next summer they will be interested in coming to a certain Potter event. Like a leaky con. Um, Holy cow! Like a leaky, like a leaky con. <laughs> all right, next in the news, guys. What next else is in the, in the news? news? The, the Scotsman named ten women who changed the decade, and of course, the very top of that list is the one, the only, J.K. Rowling. Oh, Who's the
6: J.K. Rowling
4: it n- names her variant char- charitable organizations. Talks about how ten years ago she was just getting cemented as as the most successful author of all time. Ooh. But the end line is really the point. Whatever she turns her hand to, Roland has proved she is capable of affecting real change on a global scale.
5: Oh, that sounds about and right. And that's true.
4: Well, she has this charitable trust that funds disadvantaged children and uh, research for multiple sclerosis. And she also successfully changed the law in Romania oh. about uh, cage cage beds that they were using for orphans. It's... It, Third on our list. You can't reach out <laughs> of your frame. You guys this will not translate well to audio. Okay. Third in the news this week. Um there is new poster art and images from the Lego Harry Potter game, which is really? online now. I'm quite yeah,
6: excited um, about this because the Lego ones are typically made for the Apple
4: platform. I'm okay. um, just gonna say, I'm very excited. I've been hearing um, these pictures that we put online are are just adorable. Yeah. You have Harry trying to get into the platform at nine and three quarters, and a little Lego Harry looking very very confused about it all. <laughs> Harry is always the Lego... confused. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be confused
5: too if I was suddenly made of plastic.
4: Well, you have the Lego Troll, the Lego Dumbledore, the right. Lego Fang seriously is one of my favorites. I <laughs>
5: like a centaur! <laughs> <laughs> or, I guess more of a centaur question. Is a centaur like the human horse form of like a legit horse? Or like a donkey or something smaller? Because Frankie and I were at Disney recently and saw this horse and I'm like God, a centaur version of that would be massive. Do you think they're I smaller than a horse? I actually said that. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> just, this is being ridiculous. Um, I, I think there are
6: different breeds of them. Oh, well, just like people. Sp- All right. So. Well,
4: the the video game is coming out very shortly. It's slated for release in early 2010. I'm the last I heard. I think it was about February that the that the game was going to be coming out. I heard something about um, the Voldemort eating the unicorn with a knife and fork or quirl eating the, uniform, the unicorn with a knife and fork in this game. That's the thing about the, the Lego games. They're very funny. They take the, the facts of the universe and they just do a, do a wink-wink, nod-nod with everything and that's what's going to be very amusing about all this.
5: I'm excited to play it and buy it. That sounds delicious.
4: Delicious, John, really?
5: I was thinking about the guy eating the unicorn with the knife and fork. John. I don't I mean, even know. Of... Alright, what's next?
4: Gross. Alright, well... The second in our in our in our news this week we announced the first ever results of the Leakys hey. very, ah. very huge, very important award ceremony. Now this is something that we basically came up with on New Year's Eve, which is going to be a, a a weekly a yearly part of Leaky where we take a bunch of things about the year. What was the best story? What was the best who was the best, you know, actor of the year, who is the best HP Twitterer? And yeah. we had you all vote on on the results and who won well I will tell you oh. Oh. The st- our story of the year was the Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince release I mean yes the Half-Blood Prince release oh. which got 48% of our vote actor of the year Tom Felton
5: nice congrats to guys. actress of
4: the year Emma Watson
5: well deserved
4: our best interview with the Harry Potter actor was Alan Rickman when he talked about Snape for the first time oh we've
5: been waiting for that
4: Best fandom moment, and we admit there was probably a bit of bias in the voting here, considering our audience, was the LeakyCon rocking charity ball. Also, oh, up in
6: that yeah, no also, bias, no. no,
4: bias, none. What did none that whatsoever. beat out? Uh, well, also up in in that category was the Accio Books Drive from the HP Alliance, Harry Potter, Harry and the Potter's 500th show in Norwood, Massachusetts, Ooh, the Mudbloods' final performance. I
5: was not there. For that. And what the
4: was? Rock Around the the Rock event at Ascatraz this summer.
5: That, like, $200 thing?
4: $100.
5: I was not on that boat.
4: I wasn't on the boat either, but I heard it was a good time.
5: I heard it was fun. Yeah, I wish I was on that boat. I, I almost stuck on that boat. Too crazy. Do you think they would have thrown me off that they're, they're going to have been like, hey, stole away. But then they're like, oh, wait, it's John Noe. Do you think that they would have tossed me off anyway? They would use one more attitude. Yes, saying, yes like, I, I do, George. Oh, wait, it's John. No, wait, let's toss him off even quicker. They yes, use another I, yes. adjective. <laughs> adjective we
4: also had a funniest moment category, and Frack was actually up for one of these. The The, the nominees were, ah, I'm a snake. <laughs> the ah! Frack. Wait. I'm, I'm a, a snake. snake. Um, there are some <laughs> problems you can't fix with a Reparo charm from Dangerous Wands. Nice. The Harry and the Potter's Bacon hand out at Con, which I still laugh at thinking about. Did someone say Draco Malfoy from A Very Potter Musical? And the line from Potter Puppet Pal's Snape Diary episode, I asked her to dance, she asked me to die. Um,
3: <laughs>
4: of course, the Very Potter Musical one.
6: Uh, how many percentage did I
4: get? 38%. And, Frack, oh. you got, I will tell you, as of this moment... 2%. 18% of the vote. That's and respectable. You were third. You were Half third. The After third. the purple And I'm Frankie Frank on the third! <laughs> Your stock oh, is see, rising, my friend. Best Dressed I at still... a premiere with Emma Watson at the UK premiere when she wore that beautiful vintage gown.
5: No, you were not. No, it
4: that. was one of the people who were at the, like, you know, actors and people. Uh, best Dressed at a magazine, Emma Watson won that one for her, uh, I think it's pronounced Versus. the they do... No, it's VS Magazine. It's like her versus... Oh something. It's their I don't know, it's their thing. I like a I'm Hot not or not. Dark
5: dark.
4: No, John. Oh. Not at all like Hot or not what? Uh, what? 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 Favorite HP video of Harry Potter musical. Favorite Harry Potter Twitter. Oh. Oh. Tom Felton beat out J. K. Rowling for Harry- Lost <laughs> in New York. Yeah. Favorite oh, Harry Potter Twitter. Oh didn't we
5: didn't put Lost in New York it. on. How the list? could <laughs> Lost in New York not be nominated? Well that we was, sort was like the Mashables it. top web video of the year. Yes it was
4: Anyway, moving on to Harry Potter, Twitter, Tom Felton beat, beat out J.K. Rowling, though I think if J.K. Rowling tweet, tweeted more, we probably, you know, yeah, but Tom Rowling, Felton is a wonderful she Twitterer. Really
6: tweet. She just told us she wasn't going to.
5: What if Joe tweeted once a month with one word from her next book each month?
4: That would stink.
5: <laughs> it Would be better than what we're getting now.
4: It would drive us crazy. No,
6: it would take. We would take it out of context. It'd be yeah. the worst. It wouldn't She be knows great. she'd
4: be driving us insane.
5: But we, we could like put together like our own ideas of what it would we be. have. No starting. Ground. Do you know what
4: this would be? This would be the book five card all over again, and I am not going there again.
6: It'd be worse than that because at least you knew the context that of the characters. This is it's just true. purple. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> purple. She said purple.
3: <laughs> she said purple. <laughs>
6: purple, you guys. Plums anyway, um, our what best if... Harry
4: Potter photo of the year was the found photo of Dan and Rupert's first meeting. That got 55% of the vote, so that's a big one. Uh. Um, we also had a favorite Leaky moment of 2009 because it was getting a little bit, um, we didn't want to put Leaky in every category. <laughs> that would have been a little bit unfair. But uh, the ones who won were the Potter Pundits on Pottercast. Hey, no kidding. Nice. Yeah, check that out. And they were up against, let's see now, they were, oh gosh, they beat LeakyCon 2009, My the My Leaky wow. Launch, Hooter, and Jingle Spells 3.
5: I think they were th- spamming it.
4: I think they, well, I think they work the vote. That's totally fair. We know many people who work votes to get things. We work votes all the Sleep. time.
5: We you know, hey, that's, know that's
4: fair. Did. They won. No way,
5: Thursday is all about working votes. Uh, hey,
4: listen, that's awesome. Welcome, Thank, congratulations, Potter Pundits. You are the best Fleeky Moment of 2009.
5: I love them, so uh, maybe I, think I great. would like a lot of them. We have Potter Pundits coming up this week. You know what they're Woo. talking about this week, Frankie? Is it the- the one is that the you've heard yet? yeah, Ivana. Oh my gosh. Her Not name Ivana? is actually Luna in the book. <laughs> Luna. <laughs>
6: <laughs> but yes. They did a whole part um, of okay, two more categories. And <laughs> Our
4: favorite non potter role of two thousand nine by a Harry Potter actor was Dan Radcliffe in Equus. Yay. Favorite my leaky group. Not my daughter, you that that That
5: on the blank. <laughs> you witch. So oh, 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 yes, oh, congratulations <laughs> to all
4: the Leaky winners. This is going to be a big part of Leaky from now on and in they will be announced earlier next year. We probably
5: Awesome. <laughs>
4: Excuse me. <Whew. laughs>
5: This it's a little ill. Because we're on video now.
4: Yeah. 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 But that's why I turned away. I didn't want to sneeze on any of you. some
1: <laughs> video! Well,
4: At that the end is of- the 2009 Leakies. In December of 2010, December 1st, 2010, we will announce the, the 2010 Leakies. And I maybe even earlier, we'll ask for your yet. nominations.
5: Why? It's so far away. Oh. Sorry. Oh, geez. I'm so ill. I don't want to <laughs> break these delicate feelings. Out. Oh,
4: Stop. Get out of my box. <laughs> get out You're of, the, not allowed to be get out of John's box, freck <laughs> I'm in a box. All right, well, cool. we have our number one news article for the week, guys.
5: I oh, don't know. What is it? What is it?
4: Our forum, our Leaky Lounge, has turned five years old this week. <gasps> That's so cool. Five years Aww. old.
6: Happy birthday.
4: Day to Ooh. you all right well the leaky lounge opened on january 5th of 2005 and it is the thing that changed leaky forever we were four people running a little blog and then all these people came around and it made leaky something totally different so congratulations to everybody and thank you for five years of awesome and we will see you on leakylounge.com in the future
5: (sighs) fantastic (laughs) Well, what is
4: happening in the rest of the show, guys, before we go on to our Leaky Roundup and then the rest of the show? All right,
5: well, the rest of the show, as you know, it will include the powder pundits, which um, you will see in here in a few seconds. See? Unless, uh, you're not going to see it, unless you're live with us right now, and we're going to move on to bit by bit. And after that, we wrap it up, and uh, that's the end of the game, dot com. Alright,
4: well, we have a little bit of Leaky Roundup to do before we go on. Leaky Leaky Roundup is our weekly. Leaky Roundup! Leaky Roundup, roundup. do you have the the audio, John?
5: You know, I I would if it was on the wave that we were going to do that. Leaky
4: Roundup! Alright, well, the, the Christmas... Here's wow. our Leaky Roundup. The Christmas issue of The Quibbler is now out. It's our wizarding publication that brings you all the news you won't find anywhere else. This issue features an exclusive report on the plight of the Christmas elves. Warning is oh. about about giving magical creatures as pets. Reports of numerous violations of the International Secrecy Act. Puzzles, advertisements for your favorite wizard, wizarding oh. businesses and much, much more. Gallery cast episode 78, the Christmas episode made by our lovely gallery people, is live and available through all the usual sources, including iTunes. There's and wizard rock a mini guru chat on the visit to Godric's hollow and a special treat in the form of our our gallery gurus reciting a visit from dumbledore in which they told the story of the theoretical visit from dumbledore to the dursley household on christmas eve of harry's sixth year with all due apologies to clement clark moore they say (laughs) (laughs) also also you can join the crafty witches and, and wizard We have one wizard now So it's Crafty Witches and Wizard In their latest craft along Make your own Weasley family clock If you've always wanted to do that And give a hand at crafting But have feared the results This is the perfect chance To sharpen your scissors On a beginner beginner level craft We have a little congratulations To our first featured crafter Of 2010, Overcast Overcast is an exceptionally talented Crocheter and knitter And we are very excited To feature her We're also accepting nominations For our February featured crafter Of the month Through January 15th At midnight Please send in the name Of your favorite craft of all things harry to crafts at leakynews.com before the deadline that's crafts at leakynews.com
5: fantastic so and hold on
4: and vote for leaky
5: hey henry what's
6: holding you up let's get on with the show we can't hang around here all day leaky around it well it's
5: about time I cannot wait to make right, little video not, versions oh, of all up. of our bumps.
4: Okay, can we I move? Mean, we on can draw on of cartoons of them. like yes. all. I want go. to
5: see like you on like a cartoon horse, like ride up, and you're like, <laughs> and then like you run off. Let's do it.
4: Oh, okay, okay. Can we please go on to the rest of the show?
5: Let's bring on some
4: potter pundits. Wow. All right. Well, let's get to it.
2: Hello and welcome to another segment of the Potter Pundits. We listened to your requests. We, we obviously provided you a couple of segments on gothic literature, but we wanted to go back to that original post that we did at, at Pottercast.com, introducing ourselves and explaining that we wanted to hear your requests and you all said that you wanted to talk about characters, and I think the, the most popular requests were Luna and, uh, and one of the Weasleys, and so we put it to a vote among the pundits. We're going to do something on Luna, and so our pundits are here. Uh, John Granger, author of The Deathly Hallows Lectures and a fourth uh, coming book on the Twilight series. Uh, welcome, John. Great to be here, Travis, as always. And James Thomas, author of Repotting Harry Potter, is also with us. Hi, James. Hi, how are you, Travis? I'm doing well, and I'm, of course, Travis the author of Harry Potter and Imagination, and we are here to talk about Luna Lovegood, one of the most loved characters of the series who I think most people agree didn't get enough page time uh, for, for obvious plotting reasons and such. But let's begin with with what page time she got. Uh, let's just start by talking about favorite scenes. What are your guys' favorite uh, Luna moments in the series?
7: Uh, for me, it's, it's the Ravenclaw door in Deathly Hallows, I, when... when uh, Harry is is dispatched to find the diadem. Wit has no measure, etc. And he and he can't get through. He can't get past his door. He, he, pri- he arrives at the Ravenclaw door, and there's no pink lady there. He has to actually, you know, figure something out. And the door asks him, "Which came first, the phoenix or the flame?" Now, this is this is a you know a chicken and the egg question from the magical world, or whatever, with, with all sorts of esoteric hints to it in terms of, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like uh, Romans one twenty. Travis is up to that I mean, it's 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 a bizarre question and Harry's flummoxed he doesn't get this question thing he wants a password he can just walk through and Luna says you know we should we, we got, he explains you have to answer the question or wait for somebody to help and Harry says we can't wait and she so says, says no I see what you mean said Luna seriously well then I think the answer is that a circle has no beginning well reasoned," said the voice of the door and the door swung open now, that, it's going to take us half an hour to unpack that answer. But what I love is that Luna is just kind of offhand with this esoteric wisdom, which is penetrating, profound, insightful, and yet a throwaway, almost a comic throwaway. That's, and that's what I love about Luna. So that, that, that's my favorite
0: scene she's in. I like that too, John. And that's how you learn, you know. <laughs> Never mind that every <laughs> second is precious and it's a matter of life and death. That's how you learn. <laughs>
2: Not an average um, fa- class, by the way.
0: <laughs> My favorite is uh, near the end of Order of the Phoenix when Harry has, uh, that very night, tried to contact Sirius through the mirror to no avail, has talked to Nick to no avail. And then I love the fact that uh, he rounds a corner. And comes across Luna quite unexpectedly, and Luna is posting the request for her uh, stolen items to be returned and and has that wonderful conversation with Harry, which has has a lot more to do with just items that have been lost and that will be returned to us in the end. I mean people whom we lose, our very lives eventually that we lose everything will turn up in the end and and then uh, she is amazed that, that Harry can't believe he'll he'll uh, or is is at least not sure if he'll see his lost loved ones again, of course, I'll see my mum again she says, and just a wonderful conversation, and he feels that uh sorrow and and pain for her, and it gets him beyond his own grief, it gets him outside himself and uh uh, Eat he, Like like with, with Dobby, uh, with the loss of Dobby, that grief that he feels blocks the Dark Lord's uh, thoughts from him and, and, and changes him forever for uh, uh, the, the, the basic decision of Book 7, uh, Horcruxes over Hallows. And this, too, is a transcendent moment, and they have that wonderful conversation, and then uh, everything will turn up in the end, and yet I wanted to pack tonight, she says. Well, Harry wanted to see Sirius again that night, but... There you know, there will be time, there will be a time and uh, meanwhile let's just go have some pudding and that's what they do.
2: Yeah, and that scene with Dobby that you mentioned is actually my favorite mm-hmm. Luna scene because Obviously, it's just a painful... To me, the most painful scene in the series. Uh, and Luna's the one who comes in just calmly, and she's the one who shuts his eyes. And she's mm-hmm. the one who says, we ought to say something at the grave. And and uh, I think ends up being almost the only one who says anything. And she says, Thank you so much, Dobby, for rescuing me from that cellar. It's so unfair that you had to die when you were so good and brave. I'll always remember what you did for us. I hope you're happy now. And there's that, that calm faith that Luna has that... Uh, in the face of even the, the tragedy of death, that she's just, uh, you know, I, we'll see you again. You know, it'll turn up. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: It I is uh, now. I now he could that. be sleeping.
2: Right now he could be sleeping. What a great line! Yeah, yeah. yeah. now oh, he could be is. sleeping.
0: Yeah, it is. I
7: can't believe that you don't believe you'll see her again. You know about his mother. I mean, that, that, that she knows. She, she's already at the spot that Harry has, yeah. has to get
0: to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly.
7: But guys. Guys, yes, this, is, yes. this, 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 uh, <laughs> this is pretty dense and deep for little bit, all right? We are right? talking about, about Luna. <laughs> that's sure. right. This, this is the lady wearing a lion's head, all right, guys? Exactly. Um, I mean, she, she's she's there a lot. There's a lot of comedy in here. This, this is the Luna that calls the Quidditch match and goes on about loser's lurgy, about the guy dropping the quaffle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, this, this is one of the, the great funny characters in fantasy literature. Um, and, and that's it's certainly one of the reasons that that uh, they love her more than the, the esoteric and the, the transitional and the, the noumenal, uh Luna. There's just the Luna who, like baron says, you know, gives good value. You know, that she's, <laughs> Always good value. Yeah. That's she, she. She is there uh, for the laugh and for the uh, turn your thinking upside down moment or appearance in the books. Uh, and that, that's first, really
0: what. I like the way Rowling turns us upside down with regard to Luna. I mean, uh, we we see her reading upside down, but she's not. She's reading right side up for what she's reading, you know. (laughs) Uh, She has to turn the book upside down to read it the right way, and Uh, one of my favorite quotes from walden uh, near the end of walden when Thoreau says uh, some people can't tell the difference between a half wit and a wit and a half (laughs) some people don't know the difference between someone who reads upside down and who reads the right way you know we have to learn to read her and uh, i think we all pick up on it pretty quickly and she's a delight to read
7: yeah and and, and that's 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 a good point because i mean i think most people when they when they uh think about luna their first impression is is Hermione. She's kind of a a skeptical yep. that, yeah, yep. you can do yep. better than that harry type thing and yet when we think a little bit more and we review the books and see where she she comes up i mean we hear about her first in goblet of fire when they're about to head off to the quidditch uh, world cup mm-hmm. and we meet her in half blood prince but uh, when she she appears in deathly hallows she actually she pulls harry's uh, fat out of the fire there with that moment when he can't conjure a patronus and she appears mm-hmm. you know mysteriously yeah. to pull him through that and, and in the battle at the, uh, the ministry she's heroic. i mean she she she's, she's there and and in the best of dumbledore's army I mean, she is there's there's great great death to her as w- in addition to the comedy and and the fun
0: john you mentioned the uh, the mention of the love goods in goblet of fire at the uh, world cup uh, they had already arrived they had been there for a while i that is the first reference to the love good name i take it in the series isn't it I think in so. Fun. Yeah. Uh, I've always wondered what their tent would look like, by the way. Uh, which, <laughs> reminds, me, which reminds me, as one of my students said two or three years ago, isn't it hard to believe that Harry and Ron don't know about Luna since she's in Jenny's year and she's been around uh, Hogwarts for three years at this point when they finally say, Who's this girl? <laughs> you know. Uh, is that a little hard to believe? Does that make you suspect that. Uh, she came to Rowling late. Uh, came to Rowling's mind late.
7: She's a mythic character. Yeah,
0: definitely. and
7: and this personality because uh, it's difficult to get a mythic character and be believable and admirable and someone you relate to until you have enough engagement with the story. Otherwise, she's just kind of a, she's like a it'd be like a ghost appearing in a detective novel. Mm. He's like, wait, this doesn't belong here. Um, yeah. until you're thoroughly engaged, this otherworldly sort of noetic intelligence appearing on the scene is is gonna seem just I mean a little too loopy, a little too loony. She appears instead uh in person in the flesh in the darkest night of the book, in Order of the mm-hmm. Phoenix. And we're so that's such it's such a gritty, gritty book with Umbridge and the nightmare of Harry's you know dissolution and breakdown. That Luna there appears a little bit like you know the moon in the sky in the middle of the darkness. I mean, she sees the light there. Um, she appears at just the right moment where she's believable because the the novel is so gritty and realistic and naturalistic. You know, it's, it's sort of uh, you know Northrop Fry, It's the, it's the allegory of experience. So this is stuff that you recognize, the pain you recognize from high school or whatever. Um, and that in that spot, the mythic character works the way it wouldn't have worked in
2: goblin well, or a prisoner. Your mentioning of of the ghost in the detective story I think is interesting because if you think about when uh the member of the Baskerville family showed up to Sherlock Holmes and said, "Look, I think this other detective is actually better than you." Uh and you know Sherlock Holmes gets all offended, but uh, but I came to you because you're someone who's not uh, you're not going to rule out a supernatural explanation for something, mm-hmm. and isn't that what Luna is? I mean, Luna is the outside explanation. She's the one who believes a bunch of weird stuff. She's the fairy tale character for the wizarding world itself, which is already magical. You're the
7: fae. You're the fae expert here. Can you really put Luna in the context of English literature here? I mean, I, this this. Yeah.
2: I think it's important to do so. I mean, my thesis on Luna is that Luna is to the wizarding world what the wizarding world is to us, in a sense. Uh, You've got to kind of back up a little bit and think about what the fairy tale is, and I always go to, to great thinkers like Chesterton and Tolkien and Madeline Lengel, who talked about the fairy tale, who all believe that fairy tales are absolutely necessary for adults. They're not just for kids. And Chesterton, in fact, would argue that they're more necessary for the grown-up than they are for the kid. I mean, he talks about how, you know, the, the three-year-old... Uh, is told that a door is opened, and it's just full of wonder and excitement. Oh, the door's open. Somebody opened a door. But the 12-year-old has to be told that the door was open and there was a dragon to have any kind of excitement because we lose very quickly lose our wonder about the world and tolkien would say that one of the great gifts of the fairy story is recovered sight that you you go into this magical world and you're able to sort of explore the stuff that's going on in our own world in this magical setting and come back remembering now as chesterton said that the world is a wild and startling place rather than this sort of mundane thing that we go through in our daily existence well the question then comes up what does a magical world do for that? I mean, are they just all full of wonder? Well, no. I mean, you look at the Wizarding World, and it's it's got its own version of mundane. It's got its own version of its own daily business, and it's not all that excited about the world around it and, and thinking it's full of wonder. And so so what do you do? Well, you, you you got a character like Arthur Weasley, who is, for him, the muggle world is the fairy tale or the fantasy world. Uh, He's playing around with spark plugs and cars and all sorts of stuff, and so you you can have that sort of thing, and there's this great story by Neil Gaiman where he, uh, there's this guy set in this fantasy world, and he's struggling with what to write, whether he's going to write some realism, and he finally decides to write fantasy, and it turns out that fantasy is about briefcase and business suits and business meetings and that kind of thing. <laughs> so you, you can go that way, but it doesn't work in the wizarding world because there's this political issue where the wizarding world is in hiding because they were oppressed by muggles. And so most of the wizarding world, apart from the weird people like Arthur Weasley, aren't going to look at the muggle world and say, yeah, that's, that's a fantastic world. That's full of amazing things that we're not used to in our daily life. So what do you do? Well, Rowling came along with The Tales of Beedle the Bard. And in my opinion, the only story in that that is, is somewhat... And they're all great, but the only story in that collection that's somewhat boring is Babbity Rabbity. And the reason that it is, compared to the other stories, which I which I love all of them, is that Dumbledore says in his commentary, it's really the only one that for the most part follows the laws of the already existing magical world. So the other four stories, which I which I think are fantastic all have magic, but it's a different kind of magic than the Wizarding World would normally encounter. So they still need that sort of different world to step into, Mm -hmm. which is the gift of the fairy tale that that Tolkien says is so important. Well, Luna is that on a daily basis for everybody who knows her. Uh, I mean, she believes weird stuff. She believes crazy stuff, nargles and and that sort of thing, and Raxperts, and she seems crazy to most people. But, you know, you can pick on her belief in stuff that she can't see all you want, but she's the one, like we said, who steps into the scene where death has happened and can bring calm and peace to that situation. She's the one who has faith that it's all going to be well in the end. And so uh, you can pick on faith on the unseen, but Luna is, you're going to have to wrestle with Luna and, and the brilliance of a character like Luna, who is for the Wizarding World, but Fairy tales are for us sort of a recovery of faith, a recovery of of maybe spiritual vision or, or the ability to see that the world is a lot more exciting than than we tend to think it is on a daily basis.
7: Excellent comparison. Is, is this,
2: yeah,
7: yeah. yeah. Is, is, is just following that, Travis, which is wonderful, is is this why her Patronus is a, is a rabbit? Is a <laughs>
2: <hair>? is yes, <laughs> that's exactly why. In fact, I was just revisiting this earlier. Um, why is her Patronus a hare? Well, I think Rowling gave us a tip in her interview with Stephen Fry in 2005, when she made the comment that that Luna is the kind of person who could believe ten impossible things before breakfast, which mm-hmm. is a reference to the White Queen's telling Alice in Alice in Wonderland that you should practice. I used to practice believing six impossible things before breakfast every single day, <laughs> uh, and, and so. It, it's not long after that discussion that she has her interaction, of course, with the Mad Hatter and the March Hare, where they seem absolutely crazy to her, but but in fact, maybe the only sane ones.
0: Luna's feelings toward Harry. Think back to the mistletoe, and Harry jumps out of the way, and it's a good thing, because there might be Nargles there. No. <laughs> and think back to how she reacts when he asks her to go to Slug's party. And then the uh, reports from others about how thrilled she was, how excited she was, and so forth. Um, Luna's a girl. <laughs> Luna, Luna's human. She's not totally lunar. You guys ever had any thoughts about uh, her, her fantasizing, maybe, about Harry? Did she really want to be kissed?
2: You can probably find plenty of that in fan fiction.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've never looked, but... <laughs>
2: No,
7: I, I I would I would disagree. I I Luna and, and the reason I disagree on two two counts. One is the scene in the Love Good Ziggurat when Harry goes to the to her bedroom to find out what's going on really and finds out she's not there and sees the ceiling where the friends are all bound with these golden chains or whatever. Um she uh certainly she's human and certainly she's she's excited about Harry and this and that. But that scene where all of her friends are joined with these golden links with the sort of light and lumen, point to the importance of her name uh, where luna is is really a mythic character again she's and it's not so much that she's just goofy it's that she belongs to a different sphere and for that you've got to you've got to get to Rowling's medievalism here i mean she's you know The Muggles are a point to the Muggletonians. That basically, the whole medieval world, the whole magical world is a pointer to these 16th and 17th century radical Reformation characters or whatever. And those people, like the magical world, see the world in, in basically three layers. You have, you have the, uh, the terrestrial world, which is fallen, is the earth, is, is subject to change um, and degeneration – and then you have the lunar sphere, which is transitional, and then the world beyond the moon, which is uh, ether and perfection and the music of the spheres, etc. And that, that lunar sphere, that boundary between the ethereal and the sublunar and the fallen, is the perspective that Luna brings to the story. She's this, this, this otherworldly character that mm-hmm. always seems to be goofy to them, but she's almost like an icon. She's the thing through which you see and through which these, these otherworldly reference shine through, just like the moon in the darkness again. Uh, and Luna, consequently, doesn't really bond with the character. She doesn't dance with anybody. when right. She appears.
0: She dances she, alone. Yep.
7: That's right. When she comes to the wedding, uh, she arrives – first of all, she doesn't arrive as, as the moon. She arrives really in solar colors. She, she yep. arrives in, in the yep. golden thing she basically she arrives as the resolution of contraries at the wedding she 's both solar and lunar, and she dances alone and beautifully, giving good value yep. um and that is really the in the beginning of that book that's the pointer to where Harry has to arrive at the end um he has to arrive at that kind of of resolution of contraries which, which in a way she's the foil to Hermione We can talk about that later, but no i, I don't think i don't think she she uh she wants to be Harry's uh, girlfriend, <laughs> or this and that. I think that it, 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 this may this may upset fandom, but I I, I really was almost disappointed when when uh, Rowling assigned her a mate. You know, I thought well, you know she's she's, mm-hmm. uh, she's so far beyond any of the other characters. Newt,
0: Newt's grand grandson, right?
7: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Newt, Newt's um,
0: commander's <laughs> grandson. <laughs> that's just, yes, well, hand, he, he he's ready it. to deal with Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> that's
7: right. <laughs> Travis, what do, you, what, do you, what do you make of that? I mean, she's got an alchemical meaning as well, but the, I think the first uh, meaning that Luna obviously has, is her name means the moon, her, her first name has to be astrological. I mean, the, yeah. the, first, the first thing there, and that, that, that gets you that lunar, sublunar distinction that she, as you said earlier about uh, Faye, she's a wonderful thing. She's a, a light shining in the darkness.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know I think to support that even more, I'd want to kick it back to you actually in the connection that you made with uh, Elizabeth Gudge's story. If you're well, talking yeah, about yeah. moon imagery, I, I, really, I mean we should be talking about that, and that's that's your area right there.
7: Right, the little, little white horse that I talk about in Harry Potter's bookshelf. I mean, Rowling points to that and says it was her favorite story, et cetera, and then it was almost it was almost a, a template for the books. It's kind of a little mysterious when you read it, except for there's that. There's there, there's Sir Benjamin Merriweather, the the solar Merriweather, and then there's Love Day Manette, who is the the lunar thing, and, and and clearly the the love good part of Luna's name is a pointer to Love Day Manette, but that you know, she appears at the beginning of the uh, the alchemical crisis of the book, she appears at at, at uh, in in order of the phoenix and the Negretto. and it, James is. Point uh, his favorite scene where she's she's that transition between the black novel and the white novel where she helps him through that stage. That's what that's what Luna means. Luna is is the uh, the white stage of the alchemical work. Luna and Lily are kind of uh, alchemical signatures for that that white stage. And and she is that person. She is this uh, place of purification where. All the real changes in the story that have to happen for Harry to be prepared—they'll that they'll be revealed in the crisis to finish. Those happen in Half-Blood Prince, which is where she makes her—you know—her her really her biggest appearances. Um it's, it's where she's Dumbledore's army. This is where she's Harry's dates. I mean, that—that—that uh, that book is Luna's novel, the way it is. Albus Dumbledore's—it's it's the, the, the white book of the series.
0: Luna, <laughs> Luna never lies. Almost every significant character. In the entire series, tells a lie, great or small, for good or ill. But uh, Luna never lies, does she?
2: I can't
7: think no. of a single instance. No, no, no and you're and you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, Dumbledore on down, everybody, yeah. everybody yep. lies, oh, yeah. But yep. Luna just, wait, even l- when it's uncomfortable,
2: l- Luna's telling the truth.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because because she's she's fearless, in the sense that she's not really of this plane. I mean, it, it, she's, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing that everybody else takes as kind of their marker and reference, fear of death. She embraces death. She's looking mm-hmm. forward to meeting the people on the other side of the veil.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she, up again. Yeah. That's,
7: that's right. She has a confidence about yeah. the, 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 uh, the fabric of reality and that she's a part of it and this will continue beyond this sublunary sphere that she happens to have dropped into. Um, that, that, that uh, why lie? Um, th- there's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's that, it's that yeah.
2: transcendent nature. I mean, she's beyond our need in this sort of, you know, we're in this world. Where we, we've talked about already you know, Harry Potter and the Gothic literature and Gothic being this signifier that there's something wrong with the world. And Luna is transcendent. She knows there's something wrong with the world, but she, she is in some way separate from it. She doesn't feel the need to lie and take part in this stuff that's wrong with the world. She
0: She's yeah. beyond it. And another aspect of being transcendent as far as the social world of Hogwarts is concerned is that she's immune to embarrassment. And mm-hmm. as the fall term began uh, in, in one of my classes at Pepperdine, some of the students have a problem with Luna's character. Bear in mind these are 18-year-old people because they they don't think that's credible, that you you can't be that immune to peer pressure and embarrassment uh and again when you're eighteen that that seemed to be the consensus in the class um I think I can understand that I think it's it's an acquired immunity that takes a few decades to be not to be embarrassed when uh, others might be, but Luna's never embarrassed others are embarrassed that she's not embarrassed <laughs> that, that's right and and like like Harry like when Harry hear. hears her say, it was almost like having friends, you know. <laughs> Dumbledore's army. Yeah,
7: and that that also this transcendent quality gives her the ability to to deliver one liners with this deadpan that mm-hmm. is, is is hilarious. I mean, in moments of absolute crisis, she talks as if she's at tea.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, there's there's uh, the Malfoy Manor basement uh, mm-hmm. where uh, I think we have a nail. You know, yeah. I, uh, I, I expect Ron, so. Ron is going Ron Ron <laughs> is going wall to wall right screaming, <laughs> and screaming uh, and oh yeah I think we have the answer here. Um, <laughs> but my my favorite is um <laughs> when when she drops Kara with a with a curse in mm-hmm. the Ravenclaw common room and looks at Harry and says who would have thought it would make so much noise.
3: <laughs> that Makes a I mean noise she's does.
7: <laughs> <laughs> She's basically just, uh, you know, knocked out or, you know, seemingly killed an adult. Oh, that was a noisy thing. And,
2: and the one-liners, I mean, like the Rotfang conspiracy and such is exactly why Harry ends up being so happy he brought her to the... To Slughorn's party, which was mm-hmm. which was an uncomfortable mess with the the biographer and Sanguini and all that, and and then the the incident with Malfoy and Snape, but uh, disp- Hermione and McLaggen, and in the midst of all of this this mess, where Harry doesn't really want to be uh, that close to Slughorn in the first place because he just wants to collect him and all that, you know, here's Luna dropping these these one-liners about the Rot-Fang conspiracy, and, mm-hmm. and he's just cracking up.
7: And what a, and what a change that represents. I mean, she she again is this, this point of transition and change in the books. Remember when when uh, Harry's you know hanging on Cho's every glance, and Cho comes into the uh, uh, compartment on the Hogwarts Express, <laughs> and there's Neville and Luna there, and he sees thinking, oh gosh. All the people I want to be seen with—it's not these two losers. <laughs> um, right. And but then, by half-blood prince and this, Harry chooses her when he's the king of the world. Mm-hmm. At this point, everybody loves him. Everybody believes him. He's the chosen one, and he's chosen her. Mm-hmm. And how fitting, because you know, mm-hmm. she's this transcendent figure, and Harry finally has gotten some aspect of what James has been talking about—this kind of uh, indifference to other people's opinion.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, And and he recognizes that quality when anybody else, any other girl in the the school would would die. One tries to drug him to get him to fall in love with her or whatever, and he chooses Luna, who... Is impervious to those kinds. Of well, and
2: whether whether Harry realizes it or not at the time, I mean, John, you've done a lot of work on the eye symbolism, and and Harry's problem is that he he doesn't see rightly. Well, Luna already does. I mean, the, yeah, her yeah. eyes are spoken of a lot. She's the first person who can see, uh, feasters that we know of. Uh, she's the person who can see things that that we can't see. Uh, she has well, the vision those, that Harry those... ends up needing.
7: Right, and and. uh we see her with funny glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, James has said she's reading upside down, but yes. really she's seeing things correctly. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. She sees, she sees thresholds. But my, my favorite is at the wedding, she sees through Harry's disguise. So he's, yeah, he's, he's right. Barney. He's been transfigured. And she says mm-hmm. she recognizes him because of his expression. But, <laughs> of course, his expression isn't Harry's expression. It's Barney. You yeah. know I mean? um, and that ability to see uh, well beyond the surface is, again, or to hear things beyond the veil Ties into uh, Rowling's, you know, theme throughout these books that there's an inside which is bigger than the outside. Yeah,
2: it's part of her subversive anti-materialism. Is there's there's a spiritual reality to the world. Of all the characters
0: in this in the series, I, I'm really surprised at how often I think of her. Uh, in my serve ever American lit course, when I was teaching uh, Emerson's Self Reliance. Uh, the whole matter of nonconformity and and, and integrity. I mean, Luna may, may never have read Emerson's Self Reliance, but but she lives it. And then, just a, about a week ago, we did uh, Glass Menagerie and and Laura's character in the Glass Menagerie. The gentleman caller at one point tells Laura, "You're you're different from all other people. Uh, other people are a hundred times a thousand, and you're one time one times one. Other people are as common as weeds, but you're blue roses." And then Laura says, "But blue is wrong for roses," and he says, "But it's right for you." <laughs> I, times like that, I think, I think of Luna Lovegood. Yeah, yeah, that wonderful characterization. Yeah, and and
7: and that brings us to the contrast with Hermione. Um, and we've had Hermione. By the time we meet Luna, we've had Hermione for you know four plus yeah. books, it seems. And, yeah. and it's, it's and she she and McGonagall are this this linear, you know, masculine, deductive intelligence. And mm-hmm. enter Luna,
3: mm-hmm. who
7: is not those things. I mean, uh, you know, in you know in Greek, she's episteme, she's science. You know, she's she's rock hard. And then Luna comes in, and she's Sophia. You know, she's gnosis, she's wisdom, she's this insight, whatever, this, this feminine quality, which is non-linear, uh, in philosophical language, you know, noetic. And in the resolution of those contraries, you know, Harry loves them both. He doesn't, he doesn't say, you know, uh, Hermione, you're a ditz, and, and Luna really has it right or whatever, mm-hmm. but he also mm-hmm. won't dismiss Luna. And, and, and we get that, especially in the Love Good Ziggurat, where Hermione, you know, <laughs> shows how uh, masculine and, and linear she is in her thinking – I think Travis yeah. said well, that's, this. That's
2: exactly, that's exactly the scene. I mean, there's, there's, you got a, a Hermione versus the love goods when the tale of the, the three brothers is being told, and and Roland kind of plays a trick on us to get us on Hermione's side because she's arguing with uh, with Xenophilius about the horn, whether it's an erumpent horn or a crumple horn snorkak yeah, horn, yeah. and Hermione's and we know, right. And so we we, get to, she's right there. And so yeah. there's the explosion. So we get to the side of that, and now Harry is off on another one of his crazy quests, and crazy ideas, like Malfoy in the last one. And and uh, and Hermione's saying, this can't be real. It's, it's a fairy tale. It's just a story. And she's arguing the hard line. There's no evidence. There's no logic behind it. It's just a story. And she's played this trick on us because Hermione's gotten too old in her thinking. She just five years earlier was arguing with Bins on the other side of it, saying, mm-hmm. well, there's some truth to the legend of the Chamber of Secrets. Aren't legends always built on some sort of truth? And now she's completely dismissing the truth truth of the hallows because of a story and it's that whole argument between hermione knowledge and Love Good knowledge that sets up the trip to malfoy manor and then everything we've talked about it's from that point forward that harry ends up being the resolution uh standing in dobby's grave and and, and onward uh harry finally I mean, has the knowledge he needs and the irony of that moment of course is that Hermione denies
7: the existence of the Hallows, <laughs> of which yeah. she's had six years' experience. Been hiding
2: under one of them for the past six years, yeah. yeah. And, what, and yeah. by the
0: way, as a, foot, as a footnote, give Ron some credit, too, because he appreciates both women. Yeah. Yeah, both yeah he, both her he hopes hopes and all, all the Quidditch matches from now rare on. Rare <laughs> is
2: the moment when we can appreciate Ron's contribution, so that's... that's <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to Potter Pundits, our episode on Luna. Uh, Visit us if you want more information on the pundits at potterpundits.com. You can find out more about each of the pundits and our work. And, of course, the most important thing is that you come to pottercast.com and join the discussion about Luna. Tell us what you think about what we've said, where you disagree, where you agree, what other insights you have, and we'll continue the conversation at pottercast.com. I leave you with the final words of Luna Lovegood in the Harry Potter series, blibbering humdinger.
5: Here we are. So, here we are, bit by bit, you guys. We are taking Deathly Hallows a bit at a time. The Very Guess what bit, bit we're at, we're at now, Frankie. Do you remember? Bit. The mansion. Malfoy. What, what man. chapter number is that, Frankie? I don't know the chapter number. Alright, it's chapter 23. Then why make me look stupid? Because I had an opportunity to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, chapter 23. And we are taking the very first half of that chapter and it is the part where we pick up um, with uh, the gang and they're about to get captured. And just because we can, we'll play a quick little clip.
1: And lastly, your pretty little friend. The relish in his voice made Harry's flesh crawl. Easy, Crayback, said Scabior over the jeering of the others. Oh, I'm not going to bite just yet. We'll see if she's a bit quicker at remembering her name than Barney. Who are you, girly?
6: Ooh, this is creepy. What's happening here, you guys? One of my favorite parts is how Hermione, like, she does the stinging charm on Harry. It's just,
5: she's so smart. The what charm? The stinging charm. What does that do, Frankie? It makes Harry's face swell. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're like, what happened to you? And he's off.
4: What did you call it? A <laughs> stinging charm?
5: Stinging charm.
4: It's not called a stinging charm. That's
6: what they refer to it as, because his face swells up as if he was, like, stung by an insect. Oh.
4: Oh, I didn't even... I totally missed that, that it was, like, an actual stinging charm. I thought she just glamored him so that he was distorted.
6: No, because it hurt, and his face swole up. Yeah. I just remember that because when I was a child, I used to. I used to be allergic to... Uh, <coughs> Um, bumblebees.
5: You used so. to be allergic to bumblebees. And
6: I would be getting sick if I got stung and then swell up. Mm-hmm.
4: I never got stung.
6: A <laughs> little Hermione with wings went.
4: Nyippee! I'm like, ah! <laughs> terrible.
6: That'd be a fun drawing.
4: <laughs>
6: I'm gonna do that.
4: <laughs> so we meet. We meet the the. Um... The snatchers and they are as vile a bunch a group as we imagined.
6: Yeah. And they're they're vile and pathetic. They're not even like legitimately talented wizards who yeah. have like Voldemort. You can't deny he's powerful or talented. Right. You know what I mean. But he's a jerk. But these snatchers <laughs> are just like riffraff. Like, eh, right. I don't know, birdie. Do. Well,
4: they're they're, <laughs> I they're, I they're just post. scrabbling on the floor for the scraps of money that are coming out of this whole Death Eater operation. You know, they're just they're just scraping around for whatever they can get you'd think they'd hire it.
5: some like hitmen or something you know well that's what I mean, they these are these are
4: that's what they are but they're not like ninja hitmen but they're not they're, good at it they're like no. sopranos hitmen who are kind of dumb you know
6: they're the type of hitmen that would use papyrus <laughs> <coughs> if they were designing something I'd make some terrible hitmen I guess
4: <laughs> what kind of hitmen do you know worries about fonts
6: bad ones <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh. oh, Frack, you and your Papyrus. It's like everything wrong with the world can be traced back to
6: Okay, papyrus. I wasn't a huge fan of Avatar. I didn't hate it, but it was pretty. But the icing that really helped me not like it <gasps> was the fact that the subtitles like were in Papyrus. I was oh wondering my... if you'd hate that. Yes, Did I hated it. Did you see it.
4: that? All the subtitles were in Papyrus? Yes. <gasps> <gasps> All right. Anyway, can we get back? Can we get back to Harry Potter? Avatar's cool and everything. Let's pick up the But we meet the the Snatchers, and they're a bunch of dumb idiots. And Harry, in the tradition of dumb idiots, invokes Dudley. The name Dudley comes to mind.
5: And don't they also invoke Stan Shunpike? And they're like, oh, hell no, we know who that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've already run into Stan Shunpike, and he he
4: calls himself. Vernon Dudley.
5: Vernon Dudley.
6: He says, yeah. "What's your name?" And he goes, "Vernon." And then, "What's your first name?" Yeah. And he goes, "Like, oh, Dudley." Because <laughs> <laughs> was- once Harry knew the um, the entrance to the chamber, uh, the common room for the Slytherin, that kind of calmed them down a bit, right? And then they saw the sword and the glasses, and I think that's what, like, kind of like, now nah, we got to take him in. Well, and there was still the scar too. Well, the scar was all stretched out. The scar yeah. is all stretched out. It looked gross. You know.
5: Yeah.
4: Well, but Herm- Hermione says that her name is Penelope Clearwater, which is pretty
5: stupid. I don't know why they're using like legit names. Like, why a would you use names.
4: a legit name?
5: Because she's a pure blood, and no, Hermione... she's a half blood. Penelope's half blood.
4: That's why she gets petrified.
5: Oh. oh no, I didn't know that.
4: So Hermione's worse at this than Harry is.
5: <laughs> well, Hermione's not much of a liar.
4: No, they're not. They're no, not no. good liars.
5: <coughs> Let's move along
1: here. Hang on a minute, Greyback! Look at this! In the Prophet! As you said it, Harry's scar, which was stretched tight across his distended forehead, burned savagely. More clearly than he could make out anything around him, he saw a towering building. A grim fortress, jet black and forbidding. Voldemort's thoughts had suddenly become razor sharp again. He was gliding toward the gigantic building with a sense of calmly euphoric purpose.
5: He's in Voldemort's head again, you guys. Cause they just called Voldemort, didn't they? Is that Well, why? do you remember uh, the taboo mm-hmm. um, is what kind of screws them over here in the first place? Yeah, but they didn't call Voldemort yet.
4: Well, this is this is when he's going over to see Grindelwald, right?
5: Yes. Here, let me in
6: in the prison, right? Yeah.
4: So
3: close.
1: So close. So creepy. With a huge effort of will, <laughs> Harry closed his mind to Voldemort's thoughts, pulling himself back to where he sat, tied to Ron, Hermione, Dean, and Griphook in the darkness. We
5: forgot Dean was there.
4: Yeah, Dean, Ollivander shows up.
1: The
6: merry bunch. I mean, that much. was really, when we got to discover that all where Ollivander was and Luna. Well, we haven't seen Luna yet, but we're about no, to. Yeah, well, we haven't well, seen Well, but
4: here's where that. we find out. This is a funny moment for me because this is where we find out the that J.K. Rowling once lied in an interview. She never, ever did until that moment um, when we asked her in, when we were um, interviewing her after book six. We said, is Grindelwald dead? And she said yes. And she was lying. Well, why did she he, lie? She said, "If I had said no at that moment, it really would have given away."
5: Oh, what? People just too much. much. Oh, where is he? Oh my gosh!
4: Right. Oh my god, he's alive. really, <laughs> I mean, he was yeah. the guy was in prison, you know. But we would have guessed that he was a big part of Book Seven, which is probably. But it, she said, she said, she's never, never once. But in that moment, she just went, "Yes," <laughs> and I like Aww, to think that maybe she was in the middle of writing it, wasn't, wasn't totally sure, you know. Yeah. So at that moment in her head, yes, he was, he was dead. But we, we find out he's in a place called Nurmengard, which sounds suspiciously like Nuremberg, mm. which is where they had the trials of all the Nazis um, after World War II. I nice love nice it that kind of stuff callbacks. I
3: love
6: that stuff. Yeah, too. I mean, it just makes it more like, like, ooh, it's real. It could have happened.
4: Well, let's move on, shall we?
1: Let's move on. The Ministry. To hell with the Ministry! Growled Greyback. They'll take the credit. And we won't get a look in. I say, we take him straight to you-know-who. Will you summon him here? Said Scabior, sounding awed, terrified. No, snarled Greyback. I haven't got... They say he's using the Malfoy's place as a base. We'll take the boy there.
5: To the Malfoy matter we go. Which we were
6: introduced to at the beginning of the book. Right. So it was kind of fun to go back. Okay. Isn't
4: this kind of a dumb headquarters? Why?
5: I mean, it's a little obvious, isn't it?
4: Right. Everybody knows <laughs> the you're evil. Everybody knows that they want they, they they to raided. The, exactly. They raided it. But I mean,
6: Voldemort's... I guess Voldemort
4: really feels untouchable. At
6: exactly.
5: This point. That, that's what I was going to say. He wanted to be the most... speaks
6: to the fact that he's right. just like...
5: And I bet Voldemort kind of feels entitled to all of the wealth and mm-hmm. uh, stature and everything that Lucius has in the first place.
4: That's yeah. a very good point. He figures that he
5: helped position him. Yeah, just the grandeur of it, he probably eats up.
4: Yeah, he figures that he owes him right. that wealth. And he's taken everything else from him Last as his wealth, you know?
5: Yeah.
4: I almost feel bad Ooh, for that's Lucius a good point. in this. I
5: like that. Ooh. He even took his wand.
4: Mm, he did. He, he took it. everything. Almost like yeah. his son.
5: And his child, yeah. <laughs> oh, so who else do we find at the manor?
4: I don't know, John. Who else do we find?
1: Oh, I don't know. Let me see if this will... Closing his puffy eyes, he allowed the pain in his scar to overcome him for a moment, wanting to know what Voldemort was doing, whether he knew yet that Harry was caught. The emaciated figure stirred beneath its thin blanket and rolled over toward him, Eyes opening in a skull of a face, the frail man sat up. Great sunken eyes fixed upon him, upon Voldemort, and then he smiled. Most of his teeth were gone. So, you have come. I thought you would one day, but your journey was pointless. Hmm. I never had it. You lie.
5: Oh, creepy. Yeah.
4: Well, that's not relevant.
5: That is Grindelwald. What is he looking for? Why is he even hassling Grindelwald?
4: Oh, we know. The point <laughs> <of the book. laughs> Come on.
5: They're looking for the the Horcruxes, right?
4: No, he's looking oh, for the Elder the Wand, you dope of course.
5: Were any of you guys like surprised how cocky Voldemort was to Grindelwald like before you at the time you, you heard all of this? What do you mean, cocky? Like, just that he's not. He shows no fear of this man. and he... Why would he show
4: fear of this man? He's sitting in a cell. He's an emaciated skin of himself. He got defeated by Dumbledore, who he believes that he defeated.
5: He
4: Why does. would Voldemort have anything to fear from this man?
5: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. you think he'd have at least a little reverence to the guy. No. He... Reverence is the wrong word. He
4: believes nobody is owed reverence. Or. You know, or anything. Well, he wants—he's he, like, weak. He, he got defeated,
6: huh? Okay. He wants to take over the world, so it's kind of like, why respect anybody else when he feels that he's the most prominent and talented and proficient person out there? Yeah, but hmm. Yeah.
4: Well, there would be no, but I mean, he got defeated. That's it.
6: Yeah, that's a good point.
4: You need power to be anywhere in Voldemort's radar. And-
6: that's
1: true. My son Draco is home for his Easter holidays. If that is Harry Potter, he will know.
4: This is one of my favorite parts Draco, of the
1: entire book. come here. Yeah. Well, Draco, said Lucius Malfoy. He sounded avid. Is it? Is it Harry Potter? I can't. I can't be sure, said Draco. He was keeping his distance from Greyback and seemed as scared of looking at Harry as Harry was of looking at him. But look at him carefully. Look, come closer. Harry had never heard Lucius Malfoy so excited. Draco, if we are the ones who hand Potter over to the Dark Lord, everything will be forgiven. Now, we won't be forgetting who actually (laughs) caught him, I hope, Mr. Malfoy, said Greyback menacingly. Of course not, of course not.
4: Yeah, honor among thieves, my butt.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love
4: how they all become these tiny, small shadows of themselves, scrabbling over who gets to tell Voldemort that they got Harry Potter. You know, yeah.
5: well, that's like a—that's crazy. Well, let's catch that's up here crazy. too with what we've—what we've missed. Um, we've got um, a few people uh, in the little Malfoy jail here at the moment. Uh, Luna, of course, has her same chipper little I attitude. Love Luna, so much. Lord knows what you know, has, she's been going through down here and she's taking care of, uh, of of Ollivander. How sweet.
4: Yeah. Ollivander's an old guy, you know? It's like, it's like Joe was like, what can we do to make Luna even more special? What can we do to make people love her even more? I that so we much. get to this 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 dungeon, and she's she's just caring for a poor little old man. It's, it's yeah. just, <laughs> how could, how can we possibly like Luna anymore?
3: Aww.
4: it's impossible
6: with the, with the we have not she has the nail and all that kind of stuff to get him.
5: I just
4: I love you, John. By the way, you just put me in the big slot on the video as I started blowing my nose. It's awesome. Oh, you
5: are welcome here. I'll, Such well, a
4: pal. Please take me off. Zoom in on Frankie here please do
6: well since of them zoomed in i'm gonna talk for
3: a second <laughs>
4: this
6: scene um really is what kind of got me wanting luna to be a wand maker but then she's
4: not so kind of well, can we can we talk a for a wand. minute i know luna's awesome but can we talk for a minute about draco not giving up hermione and harry who he definitely knew it was them. Well,
6: yeah, he had to recognize Hermione and Ron. There's no question whatsoever about that, yeah. and the fact that he kind of was like, "Well, I can't tell it's Harry," and he kind of rested on that yeah. fact. Like mean, that, it just—it's sh- the beginning of his redemption, I guess.
4: Well, I don't think he's ever truly redeemed, especially since he's a jerk at the end. But I think redemption for him would have been too much of a stretch without a book based on him. But. But yeah. it's at least at least an indication that he shouldn't die. He you know? What
6: for for him though, like being raised by a death eater, like that's a pretty big deal yeah. relative to like his environment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't that he was being selfish, he had nothing to gain.
3: Yeah. He had
6: everything to lose in a sense. Yeah. Like, socially, status-wise, in his comfort bubble-wise, everything to gain. He would be restored to, like, ooh, a Malfoy with something good again by recognizing Harry. But he's still realizing he'd probably just make the world worse by turning Harry into Voldemort. He was kind of... I guess he was a little more...
5: He wasn't as short-sighted. I don't know. I I just like how how interesting the Malfoys are as a family in this book because I mean this is you know you have the first chapter seeing seeing Lucius and them like just kind of as like this fallen defeated family and then here's some more doubt here and and Draco you think oh maybe he's gonna help Harry and then all the way into into the forest again with the mom being the one that you know pretty much saves this entire you know, little trick yeah. that Harry was gonna do to come back and pretend he was dead and all that.
4: This yeah, is a all mom because
5: book because they're just looking out for themselves. She wants to get back to Draco. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting.
3: Yeah. Yes, it's they're, a mom
5: book. They're the, the 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 the
6: most the goodest selfishest people. The best selfish characters we know. Yeah, not best, because that implies they're the best at being selfish. They're the most benevolent, selfish (laughs)
4: people. Well, I like that they're not, there's not one element. Everybody assumed that the Malfoys were going to be so monolithic and, you know, one dimensional. Mm. They're just bad guys. And there's a lot more to it than that here, and I appreciate that. You can't show every side of every character, even in a series as expansive as Harry Potter, but it's nice to see that these people have other sides.
5: Yeah. Well, we are ending this bit by bit here. Well, up to the point where, um, they, they see the little eyeball in the glass and they're like, help get us out of here. And the eye blinks and it, and it, and and it vanishes. And we all know who comes to rescue them. Dumbledore. There before, before he does. And it will be a nice, Celebratory, very happy. Oh, no, it's gonna be a terrible
4: week. bit by bit next no. time. Oh my God, be two giant horrible things are gonna happen. It's the
5: time. one time I cried reading these. Uh, books. It really? It that's the only time. Yeah, I I cried many times, but that was one time. I remember, I remember when we got to that part and we were reading the book all together in this house, and brie and I went to the the little video diary room. And started like being on getting all upset. We still haven't actually aired any of those video my diaries. God, Remember, Melissa? Why
4: would you ever? Why would you ever?
5: Why would we air such things? Oh. Anywho, <coughs> sorry about the coughing. Try to cut out as many of it as we can.
4: I need Sarah flu.
5: Tune in next week for um, bit by bit, bit continuation snotty. of chapter
6: 23.
5: Oh That's my so gosh, was that from Mighty the Double
3: That's You did
5: not. Stinging charms. <laughs> yeah. oh, awesome. That is awesome. Look at that. Okay. A lot of men on her. Pretty good. All She's right.
0: a mud
4: blood, baby. in <laughs> her blood. All okay, right. Is so it bye. time for the
5: drums, you guys?
4: It is indeed time for the drums.
5: All right. I hear drums.
4: I hear drums too.
5: you kids hear the drums? You hear the drums.
4: Kids, her kids hear. This is this might be the first time we've actually heard the drums all doing the drums.
5: It just if we're not feet. on tour, yeah. No, we didn't do like that on tour. Drums to play. What? We didn't do that on tour. On the the one um, when the the Brian played it live. Frankie, I have to say how funny you are this, today because you hear yourself in the recording, and inevitably when you hear yourself in the recording, you tend to like slow down your speech. I don't know why it happens to everybody but it is so funny because it's the first time that I think you've done it and I don't like hearing myself and then I'm is. like I hear
6: myself too much
5: <laughs> it's
6: like I actually hear what I'm saying yeah
4: you sound a little bit less energetic when you do it
5: I don't mean to. well we'll work on our setup here but we hope you all <laughs> have enjoyed what we tried to do here today. Uh, obviously, it's it's taken a little more out of our uh, computers and the, sorry about the whole glitchiness at the beginning. Um, if you're watching this... Uh after the fact, you'll have no idea what we're talking about because we'll have added it all of it out. But you can watch it live at Ustream. Not Ustream. I'm gonna look you, at you. You're not gonna get that part either because we'll cut that out too. Melissa, I'm gonna wave at you. Wave uh, at me. Good times. Live uh, other stream. Other way. Other way, Melissa. Uh, right. I'm trying to plug <laughs> the show. Livestream.com/pottercast. Check it out. Hi,
3: John. And uh,
5: it's a lot of fun. And um, just because all of you guys are in the live stream now, now we will take three quick questions from you, um, mailbag style. Shout them out. The first ones <laughs> I see in the chat. We'll I can, I ask, can I
4: ask a question of the chat? Lizzie Kuyper, who is on the way here to New York, is in this chat. You better be in the airport. Liz I wish you Lizzie,
6: hat. look at Lizzie. This is the scarf you gave me
5: my bird listen <laughs> how slow his voice is the <laughs> scarf you gave, gave me, me. <laughs> <laughs> okay see Stop you to me the airport me up through the
4: boxes you're trapped in baltimore for how long lizzie and you
6: have to mute me from now on because it's too difficult for me to <laughs> talk <start> normal because <laughs> you're trying to do a hundred things you're drawing
5: and you're sitting. i always draw when i record i will i will step all
4: <laughs> right so what are the three questions we're going to grab from the chat
5: Okay, uh, let's see Questions uh, Where and when can I get your Half-Blood Prince DVD commentary? Great question Why the heck isn't it out? Um,
4: it is out
5: It's not actually I It's on the podcast, is it? I thought, of, I thought I did that And I did not
4: No, well, please do that we will do
5: that very soon We did that a few weeks ago Before Christmas And it was a lot of fun It's never been up? It's not been up <laughs> Lame That sucks Look how happy Melissa is about that Let's zoom in
4: no, don't zoom in on me. I'm just like oh, No, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just oh, gross. And every time you anyway. zoom in on me on this live I've had a tissue up my nose. So oh. it's a very very good recording um, situation cool. for me.
5: So. All right. Another question. Oh, all right. We'll take this one just because it'll embarrass me. What are your favorite non-Harry Potter books? If you say Twilight, I'll punch you. Not Twilight. I'm just trying to think of other books that I've read. Kingdom. Kingdom Keepers. Keepers. Yay! Shut up, Frankie. Favorite. But it's not my favorite. Favorite. Part, but it's man. Hilarious.
6: Um, one of my favorites are the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis.
4: Oh, I is started that. reading those. They're really weird.
6: they It's
5: interesting. <laughs> your taste is um, weird, Frankie.
4: Your taste is weird. No, they are really weird, right? It is really weird. Um, favorites. That's a really impossible question. The book that I tend to flick through the most is the Edna St. Vincent Millay complete, poetrys. Cause she's amazing. Or oh. podcast vlogs and fitting it in. Where did they go? Where did they go?
5: Okay, question three. Podcast vlogs. I don't know what happened to those. Fitting it We're in. We're gonna have more, more. What
4: soon. to that
6: tour? Happened. To tour happened. The Harry uh, Potter podcast vlogs.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they'd be inclined to buy the Lego uh, video games where Yes, can, I
4: can't where can wait you uh,
5: buy them at anywhere video games are sold? Actually, uh, I think
4: really. I would probably have more fun on the Lego ones than the regular ones.
5: Oh, I don't know about that.
4: I think yeah, I think
5: so. I wanna buy it.
6: We sell the Star Wars Lego games and the Indiana Jones Lego games in the Apple Store. so hopefully I'm gonna get the Harry Potter one there. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> of oh, papering.
4: <laughs> <love>, um, <laughs> why are you talking so slow, Fracky? So
6: because weird. he says I'm talking slow, so now I'm talking slow.
5: Do you guys think he's talking slow? <whistles> the
3: leaky
6: round
5: What's holding you up? Let's get on with the show. Why is it you leaky can't rounding have around up? Here all day. <laughs> leaky <laughs> about
6: time.
3: Hey, it's a doodle. Huh?
5: Can... All, right, no, all, right, all, right. all right, all right, all right. All right, it's all right, about, right, time, right, to right. about time to no end the show. About time to get the heck out, out.
4: So he is. Mm, bye.
3: Ooh.
5: Until next time, kids. Keep twiddling those dials. The next password will be slow mo.
4: Keep each other safe. Keep faith.
5: And. Yay!
3: Good
5: Yay! Good
3: good oh yeah! We've missed it.
5: One, two, three. I confess
1: myself disappointed.
2: Now, now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great Scott! No
7: wonder.
1: Look at the time.
3: Been in. Spooky. Oh,
5: I can't wait to get good at this.